Welcome into The Verge, a show which covers the Baltimore Orioles minor leagues. The Verge is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. On Twitter. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since we discovered Spotify for Podcasters, we feel like having options like video podcasts and Q&A lets us be more creative on another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Welcome to this On the Birds Instant Reaction episode. This is Zach Spedden joined by Bob Phelan. And it's not every Wednesday night that we record, but it's also not every Wednesday night that the Orioles make a trade and they have dipped into the trade market, acquiring reliever Centaro Fujinami from the Oakland A's in exchange for left-handed pitcher Easton Lucas. Fuzunami really has had sort of three seasons in one, beginning this year as a starter in the A's rotation, where he was hit around, briefly sent to the minor leagues, came back out of the bullpen, and at first struggled, but has been one of the more dominant relievers in baseball over the last month or so. Lucas, meanwhile, had been continuing a steady breakout that he's experienced since the middle of last season and was pitching well at AAA Norfolk at the time of the trade. So, Bob, just to get your thoughts, how do you see this deal? I think it's a, a slam dunk win for the Orioles. And I think for the A's, it makes a little bit of sense, too. But just from the Orioles' perspective, I, I absolutely love it. I love that Elias jumped the, the market to just try to get him in here a little bit earlier because middle relief is clearly where the Orioles probably struggle the most. And I think Fuji immediately helps you in that regard. But, yeah, overall, I just I really like the move. And uh we can talk about why in a little bit, but yeah, especially since he moved to the bullpen, very good uh, piece. Yeah, I think it's clear, or it has been becoming clear, at least in recent weeks, that the Orioles really need help getting the ball to Yannir Cano and Felix Batista. As long as those two are healthy, they've got the eighth and ninth innings locked down. But as we saw on Monday night, that can be a struggle where the Orioles can be up in the game early, but if they have to go to their bullpen a little earlier than planned, they find sometimes get themselves into trouble. So Fuzanabi should help in that regard. And I, what I like about this move is you're not really bringing him in to be that eighth or ninth inning guy. He flashes eighth or ninth inning guy stuff, but he doesn't have to step into that role for the awards. You're really looking at someone who can get the ball from your starter to that dominant back end. And he fits right into that. And he's a good complement to someone like Danny Colomb, who's been – one of the handful of relievers or perhaps sometimes the only reliever that's been able to do that job consistently for the Orioles this season. Yeah. It's like you said, you got obviously Bautista is your closer. Cano, the setup man, Danny Colum, especially today did an amazing job being that like seventh inning guy, I guess. And then, yeah, I guess Fujinari would just kind of bump Bauman and Baker down 
a notch or two in the totem pole, which which would certainly help. Uh, it wouldn't hurt to go out and get another guy too, but I do like that they got someone now to address that. You can see how he works out, and then two weeks that are left leading up to the trade deadline, and see if you know between people getting healthy or getting out of their little pitching slumps that they're in right now, um, or if Seattle Perez could get back to form. You still have two weeks to work on it, but you at least have someone in there to take a little bit of pressure off the guys that are struggling. Yeah, and I should go back and correct myself for, on some. Fujinami was actually not sent down the minor leagues earlier this year. He was instead demoted from the rotation, which had been his original role, right into the A's bullpen. And what is interesting is that this kind of fits the bill of an Orioles acquisition. Hard fastball can run up into the upper 90s, sometimes touch 100 to go with an excellent splitter. Yeah, um, I, I think it's really interesting that obviously the Orioles turned Felix Bautista into what he is today or helped turn him into what he is today. Obviously, a lot of that is his own skills and talent and hard work. But, you know, he throws a fastball from 99 to 102. So does Fujinari. He has a splitter that is one of the best in baseball. So does Fujinari. So I think... You know, if they can just hone in or focus on those two pitches and, you know, the occasional cutter or slider here in there from Fujinami, then I think there's a potential to uh, get him to be a do- maybe not as dominant as Felix Bautista, even though he has been pretty dominant of late. But if you just get him to go out there, focus on those two pitches, say, just throw it near the middle of the plate, aim for the middle of the plate, and you'll probably end up closer to the corners. Stuff's so good, you might not be able to hit it. I don't think he's walked a batter in july yet so yeah he hasn't walked a batter in his last one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven appearances so clearly he's making improvements in that because he was walking like half the uh lineup when he was a starter and first went into the bullpen so clearly there's already been some uh changes made successfully and hopefully the orioles can just continue to keep him on that trend yeah and over those last 11 appearances 13 strikeouts just four runs allowed and a 2.77 ERA to go to 2.53 fit. Hitters not squaring up on him at all, posting to 3.62 slugging percentage to go with a 6.07 OPS. Uh, and it should be noted that in that span, he did struggle against the Blue Jays in one outing he had against them, but he has faced some teams that are at least competitive. There was an outing against Cleveland in there. There was an outing against the Yankees. He had three against the Red Sox in that span, as well as a couple against the Twins. So it's not as though he was going out facing bad lineup after bad lineup. And while not every outing in that span has been exactly crisp, he still has had moments where he's getting the job done against good lineups and lineups that the Orioles are going to need to beat down the stretch. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it also cannot be stated enough that it cannot be fun to play in Oakland right now for a team that was so bad. I know they went on a little bit of a winning streak to salvage the record a little bit, but just a dreadful park to pitch in, even though it is a little pitcher friendly and a dreadful just experience to be on that team. I'm sure that clubhouse is not as fun as the Orioles right now. Um, yeah, so <laughs> Orioles fans might see, oh, 8.57 ERA for the season. That's that's really great. But even if you count his starts, he's got a 4.94 whip. And since he was switched to a relief role, he has a 6.03 ERA, but a 3.91 FIP. And since June 5th, he has a 2.45 ERA, a 3.08 FIP. So, yeah, just think, you know, a matter of getting to that bullpen, getting comfortable pitching out of that in that role and getting into a friendlier uh, clubhouse and a 
staff and development team, pitching coaches and stuff that uh, that are, work really well with his repertoire. So I think, you know, and even if it doesn't work out, you gave up Easton Lucas or should I say Jonathan VR four years ago. So, you know, no harm, no foul. It's worth a shot, especially the way he's been pitching of late. The A's acquired Fujinami in the offseason on a one-year $3.25 million contract, initially intending for him to be a starter. Although, given some of his injury history in Japan, they knew he was a guy that probably cannot be stretched out. They eventually moved him to the bullpen after a tough start to the season. He was going to be a free agent at the end of the season, and with the A's clearly not in contention, it probably made sense to deal him while he's pitching well and you could get something in return. And we'll focus on the A's return here for a moment, which is Easton Lucas. As Bob alluded to, Lucas was acquired from Marlins uh, after the 2019 season as part of the trade that sent Jonathan VR, VR to Miami. Lucas came out in 2021, his first full season with the Orioles, and posted kind of mixed results. And then in 2022, seemingly flipped a switch, was throwing harder, pitched very well out of the bullpen, most of that work coming at A Bowie. He then rode that into a good stint in the Arizona Fall League, and this season, after going back to Bowie to start the year, earned a promotion to AAA Norfolk where he had been pitching well. At the same time, though, he was in a 40-man roster crunch with the Orioles. The Orioles opted to not protect him last offseason when he was Rule 5 eligible. He was ultimately not taken by a team. And they would have been faced with that same decision again this offseason. So different set of circumstances, but... Kind of like the A's, maybe a little bit of long-term planning here where you know you can get something for a guy you may lose in the offseason anyways, albeit for a completely different reason. Yeah, I don't hate it. From I'm surprised they didn't wait to closer to the trade deadline to see if maybe, you know, a little more sustained success from Fujinami. He could, uh, you know, make be a little more valuable. But I, I don't hate it from the A's perspective, especially the trade happening right now. They get a guy who's 26, going to be 27 in a couple months. But he could be a late bloomer, decent relief prospect that would be under control for them for obviously six or seven years. I still like what Lucas provides, and I think he will be a decent reliever at the major league level in due time. He's flirting. He's been flirting with our top 50 basically all season long. Um, never quite got over that hump. He's struggled a little bit since he got to AAA. The walks have been up, but yeah. So... We, you know, you were kind of talked about that where he has been right around our top 50 for a while. And I think at various points, all three of us may have had him in our individual top 50s, but he hasn't been able to earn enough votes to actually get into the top 50. Now, the Orioles still have a lot of bullpen depth at Norfolk, but one of the things that I think is interesting about this move and what it reflects is that. They're not content to ride guys out for a little while. We just saw this with Eduard Bizardo. Bizardo was a guy who had a very strong case to come to the major leagues. He'd been pitching well in Norfolk. Comes up, and in three outings, I think the Orioles knew that he wasn't quite ready or not quite ready for anything other than low-leverage situations, so they opted him back down to AAA. Two years ago, and possibly even last year, he would have been given a much longer lease. So I think that... You could look at Easton Lucas and say, well, couldn't the Orioles have maybe brought him up in August or September? I don't know that that would have happened or would have worked the way that the Orioles would have wanted to because they're not really giving guys that come up from AAA that extended time to see if they can work things out because there's a sense of urgency this year. And this isn't the first move that reflects that, but I would say that this fits into that trend. 
Absolutely. I mean, between Edward Bizzardo, Reed Garrett, you know, he got a, a quick look and it was like, okay, he's not going to, you know, I guess the, the contending bright lights, it's not, he's not clicking right away. Then we've got to move on to someone else. Uh, Nick Vespi can't even stay on this team the past two years. And he's a, a lefty like Lucas, who's performed much better at AAA and performed at the major leagues. And he still is up and down just because he has options. And I think a big part of that is a lot of the guys in the Orioles bullpen, like Seattle Perez, Austin Voth before he was on the injured list. A lot of guys right now, they don't have the options. Uh, so it's a little bit less maneuverability than, than typically. And yeah, like you said, if, if this was the rebuilding tanking uh, Orioles, then Lucas probably would get a month or two straight out of the, the bullpen at the end of the season here to see what they had and if they want to put him on the 40-man roster. But when you're uh, first place in the American League East, you, you don't have those luxuries. And, you know, he was going to be a decision, a tough decision, probably leaning towards not being protected in the 40-man. So instead of just losing him for nothing in the offseason, hey, trade him now, get a potential middle to late inning reliever for the playoff push and see what happens. We'll wrap up with this. So I 19, the Orioles just made their first significant acquisition uh, leading up to the deadline. Deadline's not until August 2nd this year. Is it the last? No, I don't, I don't think it'll be the last. I think, I think they'll trade for another reliever, probably similar in that, you know, it's not some huge name reliever like Chapman when he went to the Rangers, but I bet you they add one more reliever for the bullpen. And I, I, I still think they're going to get a starter. I think it'll be a rental, like maybe a Jordan Montgomery or Blake Snell or even someone like Lance Lynn. I think there'll be two more trades. I think they'll both be pitching. Uh, unless there's an injury, I don't see them trading for a position player, not even Shohei Otani, even though that's all anyone's talking about right now. So, yeah, I don't think it's the end. And it could be a fun two weeks leading up to the deadline. Yeah, I definitely don't see it being the end either. And I think the, the targets you mentioned, or at least the areas of the roster where they could improve, are where they're going to look. We should note, too, that in the corresponding move, the Orioles designated Josh Lester for assignment. Lester did get some major league time a few months ago, but has mostly been a AAA Norfolk where he has excelled this year as one of the tied to more consistent power hitters. Of course, because he was just DFA, we don't really know exactly what's going to happen yet, whether another team's going to claim him, if he'll stay in the organization but no longer be on the 40-man. But as soon as that happens, we will have reaction to that move. And our co-host, Nick Stevens, could not join us for this mini-podcast because we couldn't get our schedules aligned tonight. But if you're a member of our patron community, look forward to hearing Nick's reaction to the deal when he does our daily bonus episode on Thursday morning. So he'll recap the minor leagues. He'll recap this trade with Saul Fuzanami coming to the Orioles in exchange for Easton Lucas. For Bob Phelan, this has been Zach Svedden. You've been listening to this On the Birds Instant Reaction episode. Day that saw the Major League Orioles not only take over first place in the AL East, but we also saw this team strengthen the bullpen with the addition of Shintaro Fujinami from the Oakland A's in exchange for left-handed minor league pitcher Easton Lucas. Zach and Bob, 
we're able to connect for the emergency podcast up on the Patreon feed. If you haven't listened to that, you can check that out on the feed as well. I think they did a pretty good job of, of recapping what this trade uh, means for the Orioles. I, I think my the thoughts on this deal were I loved it, to be completely honest. I absolutely love this deal from the start. You look at some of the numbers and you know the, the graphics and tweets have all been passed around and shared plenty of times, so I won't rehash them. You guys have all know these numbers yourselves. You've seen them. The numbers of the last month or so are, are unbelievable. The stuff plus numbers look really good. His location plus numbers back up to 100 after you know, being pretty subpar at the beginning of the year. He's clearly figuring something out. You've seen guys like Mike, Mike Petriolo and a lot of other people sharing the graphics of the pitch changes that Fujinami has done over the last couple of weeks as well. Clearly something has changed there and it's working and it'll be good to get him in this Orioles organization to see what else the Orioles can get out of him. But even if he is just a rental for the rest of this year, it's someone that's going to strengthen this bullpen. Maybe he's your seventh inning guy for Cano and then Batista. Regardless of what order the Orioles plan to use these guys in, he's a fantastic addition to this bullpen. There is risk, of course. He could, the command could fall apart. He could lose his control. But at the same time, the reward is extremely high with this pickup here. 100 miles an hour, 100 plus miles an hour. Another devastating splitter to add to this bullpen. I love it. And for Easton Lucas, you know, Lucas is a guy who we've talked a lot about, especially since his performance in the Arizona Fall League, but at the same time, dominated in Bowie. His return trip to Bowie at the beginning of the year, almost 13 Ks per nine, walks a career low, just above two per nine, didn't allow very many home runs, had a 1.59 ERA, but then he's been up in AAA for the last couple of weeks, and the strikeout rate has decreased significantly. Only 12 and two-thirds innings, but the strikeout rate has fallen from almost 39% down to 24%. He's seen the walk rate jump from 6.5% to 13%. Home runs, the home home run rate has doubled in this time and the FIP you look at the, the FIP going from 2.67 down in Bowie to 7.29 in Norfolk. And there are a number of factors there. New baseball, the automated ball strike system for half of the games versus you know, the umpire calling weekend games and being able to challenge things. But dealing with the automated ball strike system, new baseball is a AAA level. A lot of factors going into that as well. But he's almost 27 years old. I think he'll be 27 by the end of the year. So you kind of look at this and say, was Easton Lucas going to get a shot at the major leagues this year? I don't think so. So Darwin's and Hernandez is there in Norfolk. And I think if you're going to give another guy an opportunity, we saw Edward Bizzardo get his shot. If you're going to give another guy an opportunity, I think Darwin's and Hernandez is probably next. Kyle Dowdy is a guy who I've wondered how much the Orioles like him. I know the, the face value numbers aren't super appealing, but he's got a good curveball. Uh, and I don't really know too much. I haven't really dived into the Kyle Dowdy pitch metrics, but I imagine he's someone that the Orioles are at least somewhat interested in. And if they really like his pitch data and think that there's some a little bit more there with him, you know, maybe he gets another opportunity. If Wanderson Charles can finally settle in at AAA, Wanderson Charles is going to be that guy to get a shot. Easton Lucas, I feel like, still has a little bit to go before he was going to get an opportunity. Of course, he's Rule 5 eligible, so if he does finish the year strong, and there's just not a chance for him to, to crack the Major League roster this year, but he's able to end the year strong in this organization at the AAA level, coming off a career year where he's got a lot of hype and steam, and, and maybe a couple of teams really liked what they saw in the Arizona Fall League then yeah, I could see them taking a chance on Easton Lucas in the Rule 5 draft. And just like the Daryl Harnay's trade with Oakland, you're going to lose him for absolutely nothing. 
So it's better to get something in return versus nothing. This trade is a little bit different. It's the same in that rule five eligible guy who could get plucked. So you want to get something from them. Obviously, Hernandez is a, a very good prospect, a top 30, easily top 30, top 20, top 15 in Oakland's organization prospect, a guy who you can view as a legitimate contributor to your major league roster in the near future. You're just blocked in this organization by so many middle infield prospects. Not a lot of pitching blocking Easton Lucas per se, but you look at the age, still needs some time to settle in at the AAA level, but on the chance that he does, you're not going to add him to the 40-man roster at any point this season. You're probably not going to add him to the 40-man roster this offseason with so many other guys who need to be added. So I think this was a situation where you get what you can while you can and at 27 years old you know he's a lefty who throws can throw it up to you know 97 98 miles an hour sure but if he's not gonna be able to cut at the major league level or he's not even gonna be able to cut it in triple a maybe even he hasn't proven that yet so to get a major league reliever who has been extremely successful over the last month I'm going to make this trade a thousand out of a thousand times. If it works out, it's another Michael Elias masterclass. If it doesn't work out, I really don't think how you can sit here and say that was a a bad trade per se. So I think this is a really win-win situation here for the Orioles. And they jump the gun out here on the trade market, being able to get a guy for maybe a little bit lower value than what they probably would have had to pay a couple of weeks from now. And I think now you can look at the fan base and say, we're going for this. Right, we're maybe not pushing our all of our chips in, but we're raising the stakes here. So really good to see, and I think this certainly means that this team is not done making moves. So yes, my initial reaction is I absolutely love this deal. That'll do it for this week's episode of On the Verge. Be sure to check out our Patreon page where you can help show your support for the show and get bonus content, including monthly top 50 updates to our prospect list and daily game recaps during the season, and much, much more. Everyone deserves to enjoy a McRib at least once in their lifetime. Because when you're this saucy and tangy and tasty, a life without one creates a serious case of FOMO. The McRib is back. Don't miss the classic you've been craving. Get a McRib, filet of fish or Big Mac, and get another for a dollar. Or mix and match. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for item of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.